My ask for this week, I want you to eat the word or sit with Jesus in John 14, 7. And when I read it to you this morning, you're going to know why this is what I'm asking. I want you to eat or sit with the Lord in John 14, 7, and then share your love letter or thoughts with a close friend, or you can email it to us at staff at gracechurch.community. I do want to give a couple of testimonies this morning. Sylvia Harper received prayer last week when Pastor Dwayne was here. Did you guys enjoy Brother Dwayne Sheriff being here? Me too. Uh, She was healed. Sylvia was healed of scoliosis and hasn't had any pain since last Sunday. And then Joanne Bennett wrote this to us. Uh, We had prayed together for her nephew the Sunday before Pastor Dwayne was here. But her nephew had endured a 14-hour surgery at Tulsa Hospital. He didn't seem to be recovering. The doctors all said, it's all over. Uh, they said, call in the family. He's not going to be around. Maybe 12 hours, maybe. And this is she's sharing this with me two Sundays ago. And so we just prayed. We prayed, prayed right then and there for her nephew. Many people began to intercede. Well, 12 hours came and went. And then he recovered enough to move to ICU. And then he recovered some more and he went to a regular room. (laughs) And then after a few more days and much prayer, the doctors started to chime in that there was hope. And this past week, he was finally able to sit up on the side of the bed for 20 minutes. He even stood for a couple of more minutes. And it's just a great work of the Lord as he's rebuilding his body. God still heals. Amen. And we're going to see that today. We're going to get into it today. Father, thank you for the good word of God. Thank you, Lord, that uh, the Holy Spirit is our helper. You have sent the helper to us to teach us and mature us in your word. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. So we've been talking about the centrality of Jesus. And what we mean by that is that we want to center everything that we are on Him, give Him the uh, preeminent place in our personal lives, our private lives, our church, our businesses, whatever it may be, and uh, let the Lord lay Christ as the foundation of who we are. Now, we've been looking at uh, how, how does this happen? How do we center everything on Him? We've got to know who He is, know His person. We looked at that last year. And then uh, Noah's works, we looked at that last year. We've been looking at His teaching. As disciples of Jesus, we want to know what Jesus taught. And he didn't teach anything. He didn't walk in and uh, model. So the first one we looked at was truth. Jesus came announcing truth, declaring truth, and modeling the existence of truth. Aren't you glad that it's not up to you and I to determine our own truth? Truth was here long before you got here, and truth will be here after you're gone. You are not your own God. God established truth. He himself is the truth in Jesus Christ manifested to each of us. And then number two, Jesus came teaching. This is where we've been. God as our father. Jesus modeled a son relationship to almighty God who he addressed as Abba, his father. Now, nobody in the Old Testament called God father. So this is a brand new uh, revelation that Jesus is bringing Uh, When they asked him about praying, he said, start by saying, our father. So Jesus is introducing family. You can you can relate to almighty God, the one behind the veil. Remember that if the priest goes in with sin, you're going to drop dead. 
But he's coming and shifting our perspective and revelation of who God is at his core and what he's always wanted since before the foundations of the world was sons and daughters. A family of the living God. So Jesus comes introducing this way of relating to God as our father. We spent three weeks on the parable of the perfect father. Luke 15. You may know it as the parable of the prodigal son. We know it as the parable of the perfect father and two jacked up boys. They're both really messed up. So we spent three weeks on that because it's always been God's eternal purpose to introduce to us. He is creator God. He is awesome. He is incredible. But he wants you relating to him. Father, child, father, son, father, daughter. Isn't that glorious? Good news, guys. So let me show it to you. Say, Brother Steve, you need to prove that to me. Okay. Ephesians 1, 4. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself. This is what we call eternal purpose. This is God's eternal purpose. This is what He had planned all along to adopt us as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Not begrudgingly, right? I guess I'll take Robert, Uh, Donna. Like, you know, you're picking picking on the, the court at recess, the last guy to be picked. You're not the last guy to be picked, okay? This is the good pleasure of his will that you would know him as a son or a daughter. Literally his offspring. Like begets like. God himself is spirit. So his kids are born of the spirit. All right. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us, look at this, accepted in the beloved. That was one of the things that really stuck out to Pastor Dwayne. He did not get into his uh, death experience about a year and a half ago when he died. He had to have a quintuple bypass because his arteries around his heart, they found out, were super small and slim. But he died, he met Jesus, and the thing that really stuck out to him about Jesus in heaven for that brief time he was there, Jesus didn't say anything to him about, hey, how about all the work you're supposed to be doing? How come you don't have more churches? How come you didn't make more disciples? How come you didn't do more for me? Jesus didn't say anything like that. Jesus, according to Pastor Duane, exuded love. And a second word, acceptance. He felt accepted in the beloved by Jesus Christ. And I love this because what comes after accepted in the beloved, it's right there on the screen. What is that after that word? Period. Period. Because the devil and the flesh and your pride likes to say, oh yeah, accepted in the beloved if. I'm accepted if I have a good day today. No, uh, accepted in the beloved. Period. Because how did you get accepted? Through Christ, right? Not through you. So you got to tell the devil, devil, listen, when you do a big piece of stupid, you tell the devil, listen, I didn't make myself righteous uh, and right with God through something I've, I've done or not done. So I can't make myself unrighteous or unright with God by something I'm doing or I did. It's either through Christ or there is no reconciliation. Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. 
I told you the story the other day. I was at a guy's house and he was sitting in the scripture before I showed up and I walked in. He said, did you know we are sons of God? I had no idea this was in the Bible. I thought there was only one. But Jesus came that we could all be God's offspring. It's glorious good news. On that note, I want to say this. Now hear me good. It's okay to believe that God wants you relating to Him as family, as His very own son or daughter. It's okay to believe it because it was His idea. It's His eternal purpose according to Ephesians chapter 1. God's eternal purpose. This is what He desires. Okay, touch your neighbor and say, it's okay to believe it. Number two, it's okay to believe that God wants closeness and intimacy and family relationship. He's the one who took the veil down, not you. I know you thought it was your good works that opened the door, but it wasn't. The Father took the veil down. Why? So you could get in? No. So He could get out and get inside of you. Amen. Number three, it's okay to believe that nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus because He did all the reconciling. The only one who could fix our issues, our sin issues, our separation issues, fixed them. He did it. And now listen to this. Because of your union that you have with Jesus Christ, Gretchen quoted earlier uh, during her time, Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I that live, it's Christ that lives in me. Christ is in you. So the only way that you can experience now, because of this union, the only way you can be condemned is if God were condemned to condemn His own Son, Jesus Christ. And that's not going to happen. The only way you can be separated now from His, His love is if God separated Himself from Christ Jesus, which He's not going to and He can't. They are one. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Does that make sense? My point is that the union you have with God as your Father He's in you and you're in Him. Jesus Christ gifted that to you. It didn't come through your own merits. He gave it to you. Now you received it. You consented. Same way with union, reconciliation, separation, any of those things. He did what was necessary for us to experience union. So let's go back to John 14, verse 7. We're talking again about this revelation, this teaching Jesus would teach and model and introduce to humanity that you could know God as Father. John 14, 7, Jesus said, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know Him and you've seen Him. One of the assignments of Jesus is to reveal who God the Father really is. And when you look at Jesus, if God the Father is like Christ. Is He not approachable? Is He not lovable? Is He trustable? What if you're a, what if you're a sinner? Do you have any hope of reconciliation? I mean, if, if, if God is Christ-like and you look at Christ and what we see in Scripture, is there any hope for the lost? Absolutely. There's not only hope for us, there's offered reconciliation. Verse 8, Philip said to him, Well, Lord, show us the Father and we'll believe. We've never heard anything like this. We were taught about God behind a four to six inch veil. That's all we know about God. And you're calling him Abba. You're using this endearing term and telling us that you're, you're here to reveal him to us. So Jesus said, Have I been with you so long and you still don't recognize me? 
That's the Father Himself, I believe, speaking through Jesus Christ right there. Whoever's seen me has seen the Father. How is it that you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? The words that I speak to you, I don't speak of my own authority. It's the Father who dwells inside me who does the works. I thought, I thought Jesus was doing all the miracles. It's the Father doing it. Now that begs the question, if the Father is doing the miracles through Jesus Christ, what is He trying to say? Because Jesus Christ is the Word. The Word of the Father has been made manifest to us and it's in Jesus Christ. And Jesus says right here, you need to underline this, the Father who dwells in me is the one doing the works. So believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. Believe and see the nature of God that's revealed through me, my words, my, my attitude, my demeanor. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. If you can't see the Father in my attitude and demeanor, maybe you can see Him in the miracles that I do. Because it's the Father doing them in front of you. Now that tells me God the Father has a message for humanity. And it's not turn or burn. It's not do right or I'll kill you. It's I'm here to help. And I'm here to show you who I really am. He's offering a father-son relationship. Remember, Jesus is the pattern son. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So the Lord told me this morning, Steve, I, I didn't just want people to believe I was the son of God. I wanted them to realize they could know God, the father, as a son or a daughter, just like me. Can I say it again? Steve, I didn't just want people to believe I was the Son of God. I wanted to offer the connection I had knowing God as my Father on a daily basis that I don't do anything apart from Him. We're family. We're buddies. I represent Him. I'm offering that revelation to humanity. Woo! Come on, Holy Ghost. Unveil our eyes. Let us see it. So let's pick a few miracles. Don Wheeler and I, where's Don? Raise your hand. Don's a good friend of mine, great teacher of the Word of God. Spend time with him. Spend some time with him. Don and I dug through some miracles this week and began to ask ourselves, what's the Father revealing about himself? If the Father's the one doing these miracles, I want to know what he's saying. Number one, a leper gets healed. Our Father has compassion on those who are suffering. Are you suffering today? Are you going through it today? I want you to know that the Father is declaring to you through the works of Jesus Christ, He cares about your pain. Now, lepers literally had flesh falling from their body. Flesh, uh, lepers were not allowed to attend the temple, so they couldn't be here today. They were outcasts. Matter of fact, they were so unholy, they had to declare, unclean, unclean. When there were other people around. Put them, they put them away. Put them in leper colonies. Places like that. They were total outcasts. Lepers were cursed with leprosy. Why? They deserved it. Did you hear me? This is the culture that they're living in. According to Deuteronomy 28. If you, if you do bad, then you get bad. 
Why, why in John 9 did they ask of the man born blind? They asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? That was the law. That's how they lived. If you got bad, you were bad. You, you had committed sin. Lepers were ostracized and only getting what they deserved from the religious people. In their mind, they got what they deserved. They're sinful. Jesus Christ walks into the leper colony. He could have sprinkled a little healing dust over the fence. But what does he do instead? Oh my goodness. He touches them. Another word for that, Pat, is love. Love walking around touched these people. What is the father trying to say? Because he's the one doing the work. I love you. And your filth cannot keep me away from you. That's what he's saying. Did Jesus not say, it's the Father in me who's doing these things? Whoever's seen me has seen the Father. Oh, this is going to change the way we live. This changed how you relate to God. It'll change the way you look at people too. Let's read it. Matthew 8, 1. Jesus had come down from the mountain and great multitudes followed. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. So he falls down. He's worshipping Jesus. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus put out his hand and are you kidding me? Touched him. And said, hey, I'm willing. Your filth's got nothing on me. Jesus believed light was greater than darkness. He believed that righteousness was greater than unrighteousness. Did the Pharisees believe that? Oh, no. Because if a leper came too close, he might taint him. His sin and unworthiness and sickness might get on them. Jesus was not afraid. And immediately his leprosy was what? Was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, just like the TV preachers of today. <laughs> no, he's just the opposite. He's like, don't tell anybody. <laughs> he said, send in your love gift. No, I'm just kidding. Don't tell anybody, but go your own way. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. What's the testimony? God did it. No one could do something like this unless God was with him. Amen. Like the father with the prodigal son. The healing comes before the bath. Remember, he ran and tackled the boy. He was looking for his son. So as soon as he saw him, he ran off and tackled him. And he didn't say, go get a shower and I'll hug you later. He tackled him. He even kissed him. Why? Because your filth has no bearing on God coming after you. And we live in a world that's contrary to that. And I'm not just talking about this world. I'm talking about the church world. Lepers faced no self-cure. What do I mean by that? They, they couldn't heal themselves. 
There's no, there's no self-cure to this. Like, well, I'm going to start eating carrots. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm going on a high-fiber diet, Ron, and, uh, and I'll cure the leprosy. There was no cure. That should sound familiar to everybody in this room. You were infected with sin. You were unclean. And you could not cleanse yourself. My goodness. It's called incipient death. Over the course of time. Here it comes. Now, can I get a witness that the only one who could have done anything about their leprosy, their uncleanness, their disease, was God. Then why don't you believe that? Why don't you believe that the only one who could have cleansed you of the sickness called sin was God? It is a good thought, isn't it? Because we think, well, if I work hard enough... I know God got me forgiven, but it's up to me. I'm making installment payments now. I'm keeping this thing going. You know, so I go to church and I give money and I help uh, old ladies across the street. I'm, I'm sure God's looking at me and keeping score. Uh, buddy, you got no chance if you're keeping your own score. The only one that could have healed the lepers did. The only one who could have cleansed you did. And so that's why... You're invited to now, uh, day by day, heart to heart, spirit to spirit, thought to thought, relationship with God as your Father. He, he took the veil down. He did the cleansing. The only one who could have fixed your sin and separation issue did. Well, why aren't we experiencing that? Because we don't believe it. Unbelief is the issue. This is the work. John 6. What's the work required? Jesus said, believe on me. Boy, isn't that something? What's our response? Well, what happened in Luke 17? Say, well, there's got to be something we can do. Oh, there it is. Luke 17, verse 11 through 19. Flip over there if you want. It happened as Jesus went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Oh, boy, Samaria, that's where the half-breeds are. Yeah, we don't like them. Then as he entered a village, there were ten men who were lepers, who stood, of course, far off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. That's all he said. Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. I love it. So many of the miracles that the Father is performing comes through a word. He tells them to do something. Go and wash. Go show yourself. What if they don't? What if they said, I'm not going anywhere. So here's the principle. It's called the power of a command. If the Lord asks you to do something, there'll be grace and supernatural power to accomplish it. He'll do it. Yeah. There's power in a command. You want him to tell you to do something. (laughs) Remember the guy with the withered hand in, in church? What did Jesus tell him? Stretch forth your hand. Had he ever stretched forth his hand? He ever opened his hand his whole life? Nope. But Jesus said, open your hand. And when he stuck it out there, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. <laughs> when he stuck it out there, it opened. 
Whatever He asks you to do, there'll be grace to execute it. If He asks you to get out of the boat, get out of the boat. Because the miracle's coming. The supernatural work of God is coming. So that's what happened here. Go your way. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, everybody say one of them. When he saw he was healed, what he do? Returned with a loud voice, glorified God, fell on his face at Jesus' feet, thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. The Jews didn't like hearing that that time and jesus answered and said we're not 10 cleansed where's the other nine don't they want a relationship see the father's business isn't healing the father's business is sons and one returned to be a son one returned to do life with the one who healed him you thought your healing was so god could demonstrate his theological stance that he heals. His business is not healing. It's not signs and wonders. His business is relationship, fathers and sons. Does that make sense? Powerful truth. So he returned and he worshiped Jesus. And Jesus said, were there not ten cleansed? Where's the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except the, the half-breed, the guy from Samaria? And so he said, arise, go your way. Hey, your faith has made you whole. How about that, guys? How about that? So what's the father doing here? He's showing himself through this miracle. What's he saying? That he's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a God who makes people whole. How about this? He cares about people who are suffering. And he's a helper. I love that the Holy Spirit's nickname is a helper. He came to help uh, this guy in Matthew chapter 8. And of course, came to help all the other ones. So here's a great ask again for this week. It'll change how you read Scripture. Start going through the Gospels. Look at the miracles of Jesus with the understanding that it's the Father doing the work. What is He saying? What are you communicating, Father, through the works of Jesus Christ? Because Jesus said, it is the Father that's doing these. Remember, his eternal purpose is sons and daughters. That's the Father's business. All right? You ready for number two? Or is your mind blown? Can you handle it? <laughs> Can we go on to the next one? Our Father invites us to partner with Him. And oh, by the way, He's super generous. Matthew fourteen fifteen, the feeding of the 5,000. When it was evening, His disciples came to Jesus saying, This is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the crowd away that they can go into the village and buy themselves some food. Because <laughs> they are not our responsibility. Verse 16. The central miracle of this one is the disciples figure out uh, you're not supposed to live self-centered. God-centered, others-minded. Deliverance from self, it's coming. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to leave. You give them something to eat. And now, God, God's fixing to do a miracle. What, what is He saying through this? He wants partnership. Sons and daughters who understand that all He has is at their disposal. You give them something to eat. And they said, well, we have got five loaves and two fish. We don't have enough. Jesus said, bring what you have to me. 
There's a principle in that. Whatever you do have, I know you don't have much. (laughs) But whatever you have, bring it. Whatever you have, bring it. Verse 19, Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and two fish, and he looked up to heaven, and he blessed, and he broke. And he gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. Wow. Come on, Dad. Come on, Dad. That's awesome. Partner with me, man. Partner with me. Verse 20, so they all ate and were filled. And then they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Abundance. How many apostles we got? You feed them. I'll feed you. 12 baskets, 12 apostles. Take them home, boys. You work with me in my kingdom. I'll take care of you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 33. Everything else will be added to you. Proverbs eleven twenty five. He who waters others gets watered in the process. He who blesses others gets blessed. Proverbs eleven twenty five. Twelve baskets for twelve apostles. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men. Wow. Besides women and children. Boy, that's powerful. The miracles, the signs and wonders. The Father is saying something. And like I said, it's really just to get to get you to Him. Father-Son relationship. Why does the Father heal you? Why has He healed anybody on this planet? Uh, because He wants you to get to know the healer. He's in the business of sonship. Now this, I believe this miracle here does reveal His desire for you to be connected to Him, living as a son. Every day, you might encounter a situation where it seems like you're shorthanded, but he wants you to realize, hey, if you got God, you got a majority. Your father owns cattle on a thousand hills. So we're knowing him, we're partnering with him, we're in union with him. We have knowledge of heaven's resource. All of heaven belongs to those poor enough to receive it. That's us. It's one thing to belong to heaven. That'd be great, right? All of heaven, Jesus said, belongs to you if you're poor in spirit. Has heaven got any resource? Absolutely. So as a son, go back to the prodigal parable. You've got the father's signet ring. That means you can conduct business on his behalf. You wear the robe of your father and uh, the sandals. So we are of him. We are sons and daughters who are part of our father's business, which is making sons. So we, as sons and daughters, reveal our father. That's what we do. Okay? It doesn't say that God's children follow signs. Let's go to the next big meeting. I want to see a miracle. (laughs) Excuse me? It says that these signs follow us. Because look at the pattern son. Who's working on behalf of the Father? Who's in partnership with Him? Did we see miracles? Yes. So we don't, we don't chase miracles. They chase us. Yeah. Because we have the Father's resource. We're living as sons and daughters. So when we encounter a need that's the heart of our Father and He says, bless them, pray for them, whatever He says, do, do that. 
We are sons and daughters who reveal our Father, not sons and daughters chasing God's miracles somewhere. I have a, you know, a friend, Brian Blount. I've told this story before, but he's on hold with AT&T. And how many of you know that can take a while? So as he's sitting there on hold with this woman from AT&T, the Lord starts talking to him. Uh, Brian, she has real pain in her neck and shoulders. I mean, she's suffering. So I want you to call that out to her. I want you to ask her about it and see if she'll let you pray for her. So she comes back on. He says, <laughs> hey, uh, this may sound strange, but do you have any pain in your neck or shoulder area? Was she about, you know, lost her breath? Yes. As a matter of fact, I do. How did you know that? He said, well, I'm a Jesus follower, and he told me. And the Father wants you to know that he loves you very much. Could I pray for you? To, for the father to remove your pain. She said, absolutely. He prayed, the pain left. She felt a warmth come over her neck and shoulders and the pain left. So again, why do I say that? Because we are sons of God. We walk with heaven's resources. And what a shallow existence it would be if we thought all those resources were for us. Everything you have, everything he has is already yours. Isn't that what he told the older brother? All that I have is yours. What are you talking about? We can't throw a party. Everything I have is yours. So let's shift our mindset. I'm not running out trying to get blessed that if I perform good enough, then God will bless me. No, I'm already a son. I can't get more blessed than that. I'm in the family, guys. I'm living in the house with the father. And now I'm running out of here to be a blessing. I am not self-centered. I am God-centered and others-minded. That's what, that's what the Father's revealing here to the disciples. Amen. Good stuff right there. Let's go to number three. Our Father gives hope to all those religion and works has disqualified. John chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came to church, and the people came to him, and he sat down and started teaching them. Well, then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they'd set her in the midst, they said, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. We were there. We watched the whole thing. We actually set her up. It was with another Pharisee. (laughs) They didn't say all that. But how else do you catch her? How else do you catch her unless you're there? (laughs) now moses in the law commands that she could be stoned but what do you say this they said testing him they always like to try to trick him that they might have something to accuse him like he's going against the law of moses he can't be god but jesus stooped down wrote on the ground with his finger as though he didn't even hear what they were saying so they kept on asking and he raised himself up finally and said well He who's without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. And then he stooped down and he wrote some more. (laughs) A lot of variations on what he's writing there. But then those who heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest (laughs) to the youngest. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, woman, eat that word. Woman, see what you find out. Where are those accusers of yours? 
Does no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, here it is, the only one in the crowd that could have stoned her. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What's the Father saying here? Because the Father's the one doing the works. What's He saying? Those people, I love you. Those people rejected, those people outcast. You think your, 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 works, your works can't get you there? There's hope for you. I'm going to get you there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it for you. Now here's a principle. Verse 11. The power to go and sin no more starts with knowing you're not condemned and that you don't have any more accusers. Well, what about the accuser of the brethren? He's telling me stuff all the time. Well, you have an advocate in the very court of heaven, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is your lawyer. And he's never lost a case, and the devil has nothing on him. Remember, your right standing with God is through Christ, not through you. So there's nothing the enemy can do about it except deceive you back into thinking it is you who has to plead your own case. But like I told you about with the lepers, the lepers could not heal or cleanse themselves. Only God could have done it. We had the leprosy of sin. God's the only one in that courtroom that could have uh, cleansed us. And what's the word? uh, Adjudicated? What does that mean? Does anybody know? Jessica Cox. (laughs) We have some attorneys. Anyway, bottom line is, I'm saying he's the only one that could wipe it clean. We get a not guilty verdict. And that's who you have, Jesus Christ. If you stumble, you have an advocate. And you've got to understand, the power to go and sin no more has to start with you're not condemned and you have no accusers anymore. Wow. Jesus continues throughout Scripture to represent. We use the word represent, but what is he doing? He's representing the Father over and over and over again. And the Father's compassionate. The Father's redemptive. You can give him everything. Give him your good, bad, and ugly. He sees it all. Let me ask you this question. Does all of God love all of you? He does. Oh, you don't know, Steve. I I got this thing tucked away. Uh, Listen, all of God loves all of you. And go back. You want to go back to uh, your grossest sin, the thing you're absolutely most embarrassed and ashamed of? Go back and, and picture in your mind. Look at that scene once again and tell me where Jesus is. Tell me where he is while you're committing that act. And I will tell you, he is there. And there's not a scowl on his face. Maybe a broken heart full of compassion for you because you've chosen to enter into something that, that could be your death. It's not healthy for you. It's not good for you. But he's not there with with rocks in his hands. That's right. And that changes us. Him breaking your heart allows him to pour all of his cares into your heart. He'll break your heart with the things that break his. That's what I mean. He rescues you and all of a sudden it's like, hey, Brian, I'm going to send you back to the desert I got you out of. Let's go. Let's go back to that desert. Remember that? Remember how terrible that was? And I brought you out of that? Let's go back. But he's going going with us. All right, last one and we'll wrap this up. The fourth one, I love this one. Our Father likes to reveal His power and ability in our lives. 
John chapter 9. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That's the world they live in. If you got bad, you did bad. You deserved it. This guy is blind because he's a sinner. That's how it was. Man, I'm glad we don't get tripped up on that today. Now, let me say this. The wages of sin is still death. And there are natural consequences to sin, okay? But you can't say every single person that contracts cancer on this planet got it because of sinful behavior they did. Does that make sense? You can't do that. Could smoking cause cancer? Absolutely it could. But there's lots of things that contribute to the demise of our health. So let's look through the lens of the new covenant here, okay? That we're here to help, not condemn everybody. We're here to help. So uh, here Jesus sees an opportunity for the Father to do a great work of healing And the disciples see it as an opportunity for a theological discussion on who sinned. (laughs) Glad we don't do that. Verse 3, Jesus said, hey, neither this man nor his parents sin. It's the works of God are going to be revealed to him. Father's going to do a work. And I have to work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Because the night is coming when nobody can work. And as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay. Here he is. Here he goes again. (laughs) I love it. Jesus never gives you a formula or a model to heal people with. He's liable to spit in your eye. He might spit on his fingers and give you wet willies. He might tell you to, to go wash somewhere with mud in your face. I mean, are you kidding me? Why is he doing that? So you won't copy it. If you want a formula, the formula is live as a son who's only doing what his father wants to do. That's the formula, is relationship. So he says, uh, he, he spits with saliva and gets some dirt and anoints the, the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And so he went and washed and he came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors and previously, those previously had seen that he was blind said, is this not the guy who was a beggar? Some said, well, this is he. Others said, well, no, it looks like him. And he said, guys, it's me. <laughs> you got to read this whole chapter. John, it's, it's hilarious. The Pharisees take, drag him into church. And they're, you know, he finally says, why don't you ask Jesus? Are you afraid of this guy? Could, uh, could anybody do this that God's not with them? And the Pharisees, woo, they're livid. Verse 10, they said to him, well, how were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, well, a man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes. (laughs) Could you imagine? Spit in the ground, made some dirt, putting mud balls on my eyes. (laughs) The TV preachers all said, go get the mud. We're selling the mud right now. Get the mud. (laughs) Go to this pool of Siloam and wash it. And I went and washed it and then I could see. And they said to him, where is he? He said, man, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> this is a great story. <laughs> Bottom line is, our Father likes to reveal His power and ability in our lives. And, and, and this is what you take, take this home with you. Take this home with you. Father doesn't care near as much about how you got to where you got as He cares about where He's about to take you. 
Doesn't matter where you've been. We could argue all night long. Well, I didn't eat right. Well, I smoked when I was young. Well, I drank too much. Well, okay. I think from this story, the father's saying, I don't care how you got to where you are. You're here now. I'm here now. And I'm fixing to take you to a brand new life. Somebody give God praise. Amen. I'm going to take you places you have never been. <laughs> Ooh, he doesn't even care whose fault it is. Well, it's my dad's fault. Well, it's my mom's fault. Well, you don't know how my mother-in-law, well, she talks to me. Or my stepmom did this to me. Or my stepdad. He doesn't care whose fault it is. He wants to take you somewhere. He wants to change your life. And what's his business? Is it, is it miracles? Is that the business? No, it's sonship. So as he heals you, return to walk with him. Return to be his disciples. Will you stand with me? Matt, you guys can come. There's power in a command. Whatever he asks you to do, do that. Why? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So as soon as he speaks a word to you, do what he asks you to do. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Here's where I want to start. If you're here this morning, man, and you have judged yourself unworthy of the love of God. What you've heard this morning is the real gospel that the only one who could have fixed your leprosy did. And all there is now is for you to receive it Get up and start walking with Him. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, you're here this morning and you say, Brother Steve, I want the spirit of condemnation and separation. I want that lie broken off of me. Would you just lift your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. Amen. Father, in, amen. He lifted both His hands. Thank you, brother. Father, in Jesus' name, we break the spirit of accusation and condemnation off of these precious people. Satan, you're a liar. You have no gain, lot, nor portion in the ears or the mind or the heart of these precious believers. We break this off of them in Jesus' name and we loose them to now a father-son, father-daughter destiny. The eternal purpose of God is that we would walk on this planet as His offspring, family members, And we loose them now to their destiny. We loose them and we crush every ounce of accusation, every lie of condemnation, rejection and guilt. Because we didn't do the washing. Christ did the washing. And now we receive it and we walk with Him. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and give God praise. Wow. Powerful. Now, if you're here this morning and you have never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, well, I want you to do that today before you leave. If you've never made that decision to say, Lord Jesus, come into me, come into my heart. Make me a son. Make me a daughter. Make me an offspring of God the Father. If you've never done that, I want you to, I want you to come to the front when we dismiss today. You can visit with myself or some other great people here in the altars. And we we want you to make a decision for Christ. One other thing that's rolling around in my spirit is don't ever judge yourself unworthy of healing. 
If you need physical healing, emotional healing, mental healing today, I want you to raise your hands in the air, and I want you to receive what God the Father has for you this morning. Right now, in Jesus' name, Lord, all over this room, we loose the power of God to heal. Heal them physically. Heal them emotionally. Heal them mentally. Heal them solically. Father, in the glorious name of your Son, we have no authority apart from Him, but in Him, we have authority. And we loose healing into these precious people's body. Father, show yourself once again that you are good and you are kind and you are compassionate. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God praise. Let's sing this together.